Support for Gig with Mike Redman comes from Music Connection. For 45 years, connecting artists and musicians with each other and the industry. And you can find them on the web at musicconnection.com. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Gig. I'm your host, Mike Redman. Do you want to be a composer for TV, film, or advertising? Or maybe games? If so, today's episode is for you. Silas Height is unique in the world of music. He makes a great living while not working on blockbusters. With over 300 projects under his belt, he's comfortable fulfilling the needs of TV, advertising, games, and film for music. Silas also plays a bunch of instruments, and as always on gig, has some wonderful advice to share with you. So here we go. Welcome to Silas's world. Well, hi, Silas. How you doing? Hey, good. How are you? Oh, I'm really good. And I just want to thank you for taking a little while and, and speaking to us on uh, gig. I know that you recently moved to Ohio after many years in L.A. Yeah. 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 I'm uh, speaking to you from sunny Ohio, actually. We're right <laughs> next to the Cuyahoga Valley National Park. And uh, it's gorgeous. Yeah, we... Um, I was in LA for 20 years and we just decided we wanted to change the scenery. And as you know, a lot of work now is done via Zoom. And I've actually worked remotely for the last 13 years in LA. Wow. Wow. And we just found, I just found that over and over, like less and less directors would come to the studio. And, you know, everything is just email and Zoom, which is totally fine with me. Um, but it felt like I didn't really have to be there anymore to still do my job. And, yeah. uh, yeah, so we took a chance and, uh, bought a beautiful place here and I'm building a giant new studio from scratch, which is nice. super exciting. I could have never afforded, you know, enough <laughs> land and then, and then the construction and all of that to yeah. do that in Los Angeles, probably. So big studio here and, um, we're going to give it a go here. We have family here and, you know, it's just so nice to look out and just see green, trees and right now of course the leaves are all changing so it's fall and it's gorgeous you compose for film you know in tv Mm -hmm. you do ads you work on games if i was to put you on the spot right now which i am Mm -hmm. uh which is your favorite probably video games actually um i like those because they they tend to have long, like plenty of time to really, you know, work on the project. They're not rushed. Um, usually, you're just working with one person, the audio director, maybe one or two, but usually just one person who has a background in music and they can speak, mm-hmm. um, you know, speak the same language. And um, it's just so there's a lot of fun involved with it. And a lot of times, those people are really. Uh, the audio directors are usually like pretty happy because they want to be working in games. You know, you don't usually just find yourself in that position. It's a hard position to get into audio director. Yeah. There's, you know, a lot of people vying for that. Um, and so they, I don't know, I, I've always had good experiences with, mm-hmm. uh, with video games. Um, there's various things that I like about kind of each format. Yeah. But yeah. If I had to pick right now, I'd probably just say game. I'm not a big gamer actually, yeah. but, but the music part is very fun. Tell me about a couple of the unique th- things that are unique to games that are like 
different, like uh, sure. than others forms. Like you know, for example, you know, the key, you know, working with keys and times and instrumentation, etc. Uh huh. Sure. So, I think one of the things that's cool is it's sort of like it's kind of a cross between scoring a film and writing an album or something where. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not really worried about the picture so much. Like you do yeah. take some visual cues from it. Uh, should the music be childlike? You know, is it very childish animation, mm-hmm. perhaps, or something? Should it be more adult? You know, does it need to sound like a big, you know, orchestral Hans Zimmer score? Or something? So yeah. the music can be anything, and it can really range. But you're not so tied to you know hitting these certain moments where the action changes and things like that which is kind of liberating in a way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you're just writing these themes, basically, big, you know, maybe two or three minutes long or something. Another um, cool thing, though, is that the technology always is evolving and what they can do with the audio, which is super cool. So an example that I like to use is I scored, uh, I wrote some songs for a game called Skate 3, oh, yeah. and mm-hmm. uh, it was a skateboarding game. And one of the things when they started, they were like, okay, look, we have this new audio engine. We think we can do this new thing. We don't know if it's going to work, but Mm -hmm. can we write the music in such a way that we can try it? And I was like, yeah, of course, that's really, that's cool. It's refreshing to have like a new challenge. So basically I'd write a song at like a, you know, medium tempo. And then Mm -hmm. the same song where the instruments are playing double time, the same song where they're playing halftime. And you, you know, send them the different instruments and all these streams of audio are playing at the same time and you only hear one, you know, so let's say the medium one. And then once you start skating and doing really well, it seamlessly integrates into the double time wow. version. So it's more exciting. Wow. Cool. And then if you're doing terrible and your character's just bumping their head into the wall over and over mm-hmm. and can't get out of a corner, the music goes into halftime and it's real slow and reflects mm-hmm. that, you know, you've slowed down and things like that. So the technology yeah. The advancement of the technology That's keeps crazy. it really yeah. interesting. Are you uh, are you mixing in spatial formats? No, nobody's asked no, for that. They're doing it, I guess, on their Yeah, end, right? the, I don't usually mix. The, like in video games, they have mm-hmm. to. I just deliver the audio. They have, mm-hmm. um, you know, people there, engineers that will, will implement it using their uh, audio implementation software in in films and TV they have mixers that are mixing it I'm again I'm sure. just delivering the music mm-hmm. um, for the most part if it's a small I don't know a smaller product like commercials I mix sure. the commercials usually uh, right. things like that so you're just giving them all the stems and they put them yeah together. typically yeah mm-hmm. uh, this last film I did it's not out yet it's called Don Dusk wonderful documentary. Um, should be hitting festivals and stuff. I think that they ended up doing a 5.1 mix at the at the post house after I delivered it, and uh, I'd love to check that out. I can't wait to hear it. Silas, what what at this point in your life in your career, what are your goals as a composer? Um, really, to a couple things. One, and this has been a goal for a long time, and I think I've achieved it in some ways, and I'd like to, you know, keep achieving it, is just form really great creative relationships with mm. directors or whoever I'm working with, um, and to keep going and see where they lead and see how we can push each other creatively. Yeah. Um, I have a couple of those people. I'm lucky enough to have a couple of those people in my life, and uh, I, I, I love those relationships. And, you know, it's the kind of thing where I'm like, look, whether it's a big budget, a little budget, what you count me in, we'll make it work. I know there's ups and downs with, mm-hmm. with budgets and projects and, you know, sure. some of them are tough, some of them are easy, but like, if we stick together, 
and develop a, you know, the shorthand that you do develop with people that you work with for a long time, um, you know, we can make something greater. I, I look to relationships like Danny Elfman, Tim Burton, my mm-hmm. uncle, Mark sure. Mothersbaugh and, um, Wes Anderson and things like that. And like they, when they stuck together for a run of films, they created like this whole wonderful universe and pushed each other to be better. And, uh, I, you know, I have a lot of respect for that. So that's one of the goals is to maintain those relationships that I have and, and, you know, create more, hopefully I'm also making more and more albums on my own. Some of them are instrumental. Others are, you know, are more like songs. Why don't you just actually, uh, scrape segue into talking a little bit about, um, your latest project, the satin cowboy and seven deadly sins. Oh yeah. Okay. So I have a song coming out tomorrow. Mm -hmm. That's just a single. It's called I Eat Crow. And, uh, and then there's a great video that's coming out a couple of weeks later. And if uh-huh. you don't know, to eat crow means basically to admit that you were wrong and, you know, maybe you put your foot in your mouth. Um, and so it's a, just a kind of a funny song about that. Um, the, the Satin Cowboy and the Seven Deadly Sins is just a, a project where I can kind of write songs in the quote unquote Americana style. So it's a mm. bit, bit folky, bit country, bit you know, uh, blues, maybe, you know, all the sort of quote unquote American styles all kind of jammed together. Roots rock, that kind of thing. Tell me about uh, your first professional paying gig as a composer. Ah, uh, well, let's see. Uh, I mean, so I guess professionally, I started at Mutato, my uncle's studio, as an intern. And was just sort of, you know, making coffee and walking the dogs and cleaning up and helping with his artwork and stuff like that. And then slowly they let me write commercial demos and, uh, you know, kind of went from there. Once I sort of figured out and got good at it, got better at it, I was able to move from doing commercials, but also started adding in video games, TV, film, all that. So the first thing was I think a, a Burger King commercial if I remember correctly there was like mm-hmm. a uh, it was called um, subservient chicken <laughs> and it kind oh of my made God. <laughs> a, a big splash in the ad world because it was one of the first like online things they had a website and there's this guy dressed in this giant chicken outfit and you could go uh-huh. online and type in like you know stuff and make the person on the other end do it and so that was a big deal at the time which was probably 2004 2005 I think I remember that yeah, and it, it ended up winning some awards. It was a whole campaign. I scored a couple of them. My uncle scored a couple of them. And uh, I think that was the first thing. And uh, and then from there, it was kind of off to the races with commercials, particularly. That's, uh, uh, I'm glad you said I think most of us that are in the business in some form always can remember that first gig when somebody actually gave me money. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. And it, maybe if you're not in the business, the, the way it works is, um, you know, I mean, I was on salary, but you get paid more once your client likes your right. music and picks it and the paycheck comes through, you know, you get basically a bonus or whatever. So, yeah, once I started realizing like, wow, this is this is great, you know, and honestly, it could have been 20 extra dollars and I would have been thrilled, you know, yeah. at that age and never being paid for music before. You're like, wow, this is amazing. So <laughs> but I worked my butt off, um, you know, it was a good incentive. Not only the not only the the money, but also the validation. Like I was the sure. youngest person there at the studio. And, you know, I was really trying to keep up with guys that were much better producers, engineers, composers. And so to be able to you know, begin to hold my own and, you know, have, you know, show them that I had a place there. It went from being a short internship to a full-time job. 
Yeah, and you were uh, most likely a sponge at that point, watching these guys soaking everything up. I have to say, I was a sponge, but to their credit, too, they were super willing to help. It was, even though there was other composers there, and in theory, we were competing against each other, in theory, it wasn't the atmosphere at all. Everyone was so helpful, and so uh, we supported each other. I would play drums on their tracks. They would play, you know, whatever instruments I didn't play on mine and stuff like that. And we would go into each other's rooms and be like, can you listen to this track? Like my brain is breaking in half. I've been working on it all day. What, what does it need? What is it missing? You know, well, how's the mix sound? And we would do that for each other. I, I do miss that part. What kind of person should uh, pursue a career as a composer and maybe on you know, the other side, that the flip side may be somebody that shouldn't? Wow, that's that's such a tough question. I've never been asked that before. It's really interesting. I honestly, it's it's very. It's there's a lot of different types of people in the mm-hmm. business. I'll say I found a lot of antisocial type people as composers, um, mm-hmm. which doesn't serve them very well. But I know you know composing is a solitary thing most of the mm-hmm. time. Um, but I will say, if you're trying to be a freelance composer and or you're trying to get your own gigs. Mm-hmm. Um, you really do need some good social skills and you need to be likable and fun to work with. And I think that I've seen a lot of people fall short in that or heard from other directors like, wow, our last composer was just so grouchy all the time and couldn't take (laughs) feedback, you know, didn't want to change anything with their music. And they're like, so we didn't want to work with them again. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know that there's a certain type of person because, Mm -hmm. but I do think that there are certain traits or certain, um, personality traits maybe characteristics that you need to be aware of no matter who you are if you want to do it one it's be easy to work with and fun and communicative um two you're gonna you're gonna have to put in a ton of hard work um just tons three you never really make it this is the biggest thing that i think that people don't understand and honestly it took a while to dawn on me it's like no matter how big your resume is the phone could stop ringing tomorrow if you stop hustling and trying to get more work. And so there is no like, ah, I did it. I can just relax and write music now and the checks will keep coming in or I can stop and the checks will keep coming in. No, it's like any other job. If you stop going, stop showing up, stop hustling, you get fired and you then you don't have any money coming in. So that part, I think a lot of young people seem myself included thought that like, Oh, once I get that first big name gig, I'm set, you know, and it's like, no, it doesn't work that way. I, you know, older composers are still busting their butt to get gigs. Um, yeah. the, other, the other misconception, uh, this is a little bit off topic, but it, it relates. No, go for it. Is that, well, if you get an agent, then they just get you work and you're good to go. Nope, that's not true. Agents don't really want you unless you're getting your own work because they make money off of your work. So. First of all, you have to be bringing in a lot of work for them to want you. And then it's kind of a catch-22 because you're like, well, do I, I'm already bringing in a bunch of work. Do I really want this person to be taking a percentage of every job that they didn't help get? You know, it's it's an interesting conundrum. So uh, personality type, I don't know, but just be aware of those things. Favorite plugin and why? I use a ton of plugins, but if I just had to answer off the top of my head, I'd say the Vintage Warmer 2 from PSP. It's just a great sounding compressor that I use, end up using on just about every snare, lead guitar, vocal. I mean, it's in one way or another in multiple capacities, it's in every mix I do. 
your primary musical instrument? At this point, I hate to say it, but it's probably the computer. <laughs> I mean, I spent so much time, you know, I guess, or you could narrow it down and say Logic Pro, because I spent so much time using that to not only record myself and others, but mix, produce, you know, create within that. And so probably, you know, I'm you doing that for hours and hours and hours and hours every day for the last 20 years. So I probably put more time into that than any other instrument at this point. Uh, used to be drum set was my best instrument and, and favorite. But. And favorite place you've traveled for work? For work so far, I think Nashville. Uh, I went there to produce a vocal session for EA for a Sims game where they had uh, karaoke singers within the game. And I went to, and I got to, I wish I could remember the name of the studio, but they, they flew me out there and I spent some time there with excellent session singers in a studio, excellent engineers, you know, and we got to produce, I produced the session and that was super fun. I do have a fun trip coming up for work to Rome in February. One question, best advice for an aspiring composer that might be graduating next year to get their foot in the door somewhere? Until you do, try and score as much as you can. Find any student composers or uh, student directors, any student editors, and just try and work with them. That's a wonderful answer. Thank you, because I've been told that before, that uh, if you're 22 years old, hook up with all the 22-year-old directors that are starting to climb the ladder, too, and you all climb together. Absolutely. That's great advice. I wish I had known that in college, because I would have done it. <laughs> uh, last last question. Uh, where did you go to college? U of A in Tucson. They had a great percussion program, and that was my primary instrument. It was drum set. My last story. I quit playing. I played drums until I was 14, and when I saw the lead singer <clears throat> leaving with the girls, I went the next day and Turn, turn my drums in for a strategy. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> oh, man. Silas, thank you. This was a pleasure. I'm sorry we had a little trouble getting together, but it's no, so it's nice to talk yeah. with you, man. Yeah, nice to talk to you, too. Very nice to meet you. I'll check out your book as well. That's great. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining me today for another episode of Gig with Mike Redman. If you like what you heard, I'd ask that you subscribe and like us. And finally, if you have questions about a job or ideas for an episode, contact me at gigwithmikeredmond at gmail.com. Until next time, I'm Mike Redmond, signing off.